Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Wow. Thank you, Pastor Rebecca, for that encouraging word about tithes and offerings. And thank you to our awesome uh, video team for putting together that very fun uh, teaser for what's coming up this year. You know, it is the first Sunday of 2023. By the way, good morning. Buenos dias. Uh, howdy to our live stream and podcast families out there um, in the world of the internet. Thanks for being with us. Today is my privilege to get to share God's word again with you today. And as usual, you can follow along. along. Uh, in the Bible app, there's an outline of today's message. We have that every Sunday, and there's a printed one available there in the back if you'd prefer that. Has anyone gone through any sort of transition lately? Is anyone going through one? See, transitions are important. Do we agree? Transitions are important because, get this, how we exit one season greatly influences how we enter the next season. For example... If you have it in your heart to be someone who exercises, how you exited 2022 will have a great influence on how you enter 2023. If your exercise level was negative one at the end of 2022, you ain't going to be a 10 tomorrow. Come on, somebody. How many of us also know if, 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 if you happen to be carrying 20 extra pounds, unwanted pounds with you, at the end of 2022, they might have accompanied you as you transitioned in to 2023. How we exit one season greatly influences how we enter the next and determines what we need to do if we want to transition, right? And so transitions are really, really important. Also, you know... The habits that we had last week, can you believe last week was still 2022, right? The, the habits, good or bad, probably tagged along with us as we transition into the new year, right? Things don't just change like that. There's a time of transition, and how we leave one place determines how we enter the next one, right? Right? That's why, church, our big focus as we ended and rounded out 2022 and as we enter into 2023, our big focus on prayer, right? We want to intentionally transition with prayer. We want to intentionally exit one season and enter the next season in prayer. <clears throat> And you know, we'll never actually, excuse me, we'll never really transition out of prayer. And I'm going to teach you more on prayer in just a second. But just very quickly, I want to remind everyone, as you saw and have been seeing in the teaser, we've been talking about it, you've been seeing it on social media. Every year, we feel like the Lord gives us a prophetic theme that we're going to be teaching on throughout the year. This year, 2023, it is Christology. Everybody say Christology. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be transitioning into this new theme, Christology, right? And just a reminder, on January 1st, we, uh, we started reading through the Bible again together. Anybody start reading their Bible again? 
Come on. Last year we read every word together. This year we're going to read through the Bible again together. And we're inviting everyone to read uh, using the Life Journal reading plan. And uh, you know what? Late start, no problem. Maybe you didn't get the memo or maybe you just didn't start. Well, start today. Hit the catch up button. Come on, somebody. Let's read through the word again this year. We're reading through the Life Journal. And, and like I said, we're going to transition into our Christology theme. But first, we need... To finish this transition period focusing on prayer, right? And again, we'll never transition out of prayer, but we've been taking the, the end of 2022 and we're taking very uh, intentionally the beginning of 2023 to learn about seven ways to pray. How many of you have been here and been a part of that? Yeah? We've been reading throughout the Bible and learning uh, different ways to pray. I've been teaching you seven different prayer tracks. In fact, um, it's so important. We're going to finish these up, leading right into, starting next Sunday, our seven days of fasting and prayer, right? We're inviting everyone as a part of our church family. We're going to have a whole week of fasting. And then, as you heard, uh, every single night at 7 p.m., we're going to be joining in here uh, for prayer. That's the 15th through the 21st. And we need to finish up our seven prayer tracks before we get to that. Yeah? Anybody been here for the seven ways? Anybody remember the first one? Back in November, tabernacle prayer. Then we learned how to pray according to the names of God. We learned the prayer of Jabez. We learned Jesus' prayer model. And then on New Year's Eve, in New Year's Eve, if you were here, we learned about Gethsemane prayer, right? The prayer of surrender. Very good. The prayer of surrender. And today we're going to jump into number six, which is my absolute favorite. Trinity prayer, Trinity prayer, okay? Probably the simplest form of the seven ways to pray, but extremely profound and extremely powerful if you learn to pray this prayer track. In fact, I pray Trinity prayer pretty much every day, and because it's so simple, I often combine it with other prayer tracks. A lot of times I'll pray uh, using the Trinity prayer track and also pray Jesus' prayer model. Or the prayer of Jabez, right? But today I want to teach you about Trinity prayer. Is that okay? All right. I've chosen this simpler, shorter message today because at the end of the message, I will say after I teach you about Trinity prayer, I just want to take a few minutes to talk a little bit about fasting because we're going to be coming into this time of seven days of fasting and prayer. And uh, how many of you need uh, a few tips on fasting? Okay, we're going to, if it's okay with you, at the end of the message, I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about fasting. So let's learn about Trinity prayer. For that, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 14, chapter 13, verse 14, pardon me. And it says here, how about we read it all together? Ready? One, two, three. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And actually, the older translations end that with amen, right? Amen. It's actually a prayer. It's a declaration, a prayer. And so this simplest prayer track that we're learning about helps us with our interaction and our relationship with God, the Trinity. God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Spirit, right? And so today, as we learn about Trinity prayer, we're going to basically learn two things. Or we're going to see two things. Trinity prayer helps us remember 
who he is and what he gives. Who he is and what he gives. All right, I want you to turn to somebody and say, today, through Trinity prayer, you're going to learn who he is and what he gives. So be on the lookout, right? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And somebody might say, do I have to pray it in that exact order? No. Father, Son, Spirit, Father, Spirit, Son, Spirit, Son, Father, Father, Spirit, Father, Son. Okay. It doesn't matter. You don't have to pray it in this exact order. In fact, I'm going to start with the Father. Okay. It says the love of God. Jesus, remember, Jesus taught us to pray to God as our Come on, Jesus taught us to pray to God as our Father in the heavens, right? Our heavenly Father. So who's the who? Who's the who? God the? And what do we receive? Love. Who's the who? The who is? The what is? Love. He's the Father and we receive His love. Our maker and provider, the God of the universe, the creator, the source, the sustainer. The Bible says that he breathed and gave life to us, right? He's our breath of life, our creator, our sustainer, our father. He's the ruler over all. He ought to be our ruler. Amen? And there are two words, very important words in the Bible that describe the love of God. So there's a lot of other words that describe love, but two very important words that describe the love of God. And we're talking about in prayer, we receive the love of God as Father. The first word is a Hebrew word. It's the word hesed. Everybody say hesed. Hesed, you see this word throughout the Bible a lot in the Old Testament, but this word means covenant love. Listen, Hesed is the love of God, which implies a love of a, a love from a greater towards a lesser. Love from a greater towards a lesser, like the love of a parent to a child. Okay, say hesed. It implies mercy. It implies compassion. Right? If any of you have children and you love them, you know that implies mercy and compassion. It implies patience. It implies forgiveness. One of the ways this word is translated, you'll see it is loving kindness. It's the kind of love that causes him to be kind to us. His faithful love endures forever, right? Hesed, covenant love. The love of God as father to us as children. And you know, Jesus called God not just father like father, but he called him Abba, right? Daddy, not father far away, but father, daddy up close. 
The love of God is not far away. The love of God is with us. His faithful love endures. That means it goes through everything with us. That ought to help somebody. That helps me out. To know that whatever I go through, whatever I endure, his love is even more enduring. It's his faithful, enduring, steadfast, unfailing, unchanging, unconditional, never-ending love of a greater towards me, a lesser. I'm so glad that the Father loves me. How great is the Father's love. Why don't you just say that? Oh, how great the Father's love is for me. There's a verse that says his love is so great. How great is his love that he calls us his children. He calls you and me through Christ his children. And it leads us to the next word that's so important. It's a Greek word that we see in the New Testament for the love of God. And that is, anybody know it? Agape. Agape is this. Uh, listen, agape is because of hesed. Listen. Agape is sacrificial love. Agape, the love that gives regardless of response or return. It's love because of love. Not because necessarily it'll be loved back. Now, agape desires to be loved back, but agape loves rather it's loved back or not. Regardless of response or return, the love of God towards people, agape. Um, this is, is um, a love that serves. And as Jesus put it, a love that lays its very life down for others. A love that lays its life down for its friends. No greater love, Jesus said. Come on, somebody, say agape. This is the love of God that we see burst onto the scene. Until now, we have hesed, which is, hello, amazing. The love of God as a father towards us, his children. But because of hesed, because of God the Father's immense, indescribable, infinite love for us, came agape. When Jesus came on the scene, right? When Jesus came to love, to serve, and eventually to completely lay his life down. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the cross. Agape is evidenced through Jesus giving his life on the cross. And that leads us. It's agape. It's God's love that lets us have the second part that we can know him and receive from him. Let's go to the next one. That is Jesus Christ, and from him we receive grace. Come on, who's the who? What's the what? From the Father we receive. From Jesus we receive. But we only receive grace because of love. God gives us his grace because he loves us. Now, somebody might say, actually, God loves us because he's full of grace. Well, yeah, it goes both ways. But God is love, and because he is love and he loves us. Come on, somebody say, God loves me. 
He extended grace to us and extends grace to us through Jesus. Through whom? Come on, who's the giver of grace? Jesus is the giver of grace. We're talking about Jesus, God the Word. The eternal Word of God who took on skin, right? Who dwelt among us. We call him Emmanuel, God with us. God, the eternal Word, who was born as the Son of God. Who laid his life down, agape, as the Lamb of God, who takes away our sins. And then he rose again as the King of kings and Lord of lords forevermore. This is the Jesus we're talking about. The Jesus who is the King that is coming, who will reign forever and ever. I don't know about you, but I'm going to reign with him. That's who we're talking about. Jesus, the Bible says, is our elder brother. God, our Father. And because of what Jesus did, we have grace. Does anybody know that word in Greek? Charis, right? Let's just call it charis. Charis. What is charis when it says that Jesus gives us grace? It's the word charis. Charis is this. You ready? So we're charismatic. Come on, somebody. Right? Charis. Charis, and listen, if you understand charis, you'll be charismatic. Okay? Charis is this. It's a relationship of special privilege. Means I have special privileges with him. How about that? Anybody else want that? I know you do. Charis, grace, is a relationship of special privilege. It also means unmerited favor and undeserved goodness and kindness towards me. Come on, anybody ever been kind to you just because they're kind, not because you're kind? You ever received something good not because you deserved it, but just because somebody else was good? Again, those of us that are parents know. We don't give our children everything because they deserve it. We give our children everything because we're good. <laughs> right? They don't have food on the table every day because they deserve it. They have food on the table every day because daddy's good. Right? Mommy doesn't sleep in, in the bed with them every night trying to get them to go to bed because they deserve it, but because mommy's good. Right? Kindness. It's kindness extended towards us when we don't deserve it. And listen, none of us deserves the kindness of God. For we were totally lost and rebelled against him in our sins. Every one of us has gone astray. We've gone our own way. We've rejected God. But even though we rejected him when we were still in our sins, he came and he died for us. That's called grace. Charis. Charis. Grace. And this relationship of special privilege and favor and goodness and kindness makes us the recipients of divine pardon. We are forgiven. God doesn't hold our sins against us. I told you that will make you charismatic. God doesn't hold my sins against me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for grace. Divine pardon and divine power and enablement. 
Because Jesus calls us to be his disciples, to follow him, to walk in his footsteps and to obey his word. And listen, I don't know about you, but I kind of struggle with that in my flesh. The, the, the good news is we can't follow Jesus in our flesh, but we can follow Jesus by charis, by grace. He gives us, the Bible says, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That's called Grace, charis, right? He writes in our hearts and on our mind his desires, his laws, his precepts, right? That's called grace. It's something that we don't get for ourselves. It's something that we receive. And the only one that can give us grace is the Lord Jesus. Come on, somebody, lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus, for grace. Now, it's really amazing. Because grace saves us. Grace covers us. Are you with me? Grace favors us. Grace restores us into a relationship with God. And grace renews the image of God in us that we lost. And grace enables us to fulfill God's purpose. Does anybody want to fulfill your purpose? You need grace. You can't do it. You can't do it on your own. You need grace. Grace empowers us to follow Jesus. And all of this is possible and made available because of agape. Because he loved us so much, we couldn't save ourselves, so he came and saved us. He laid his life down. Agape, the love of God released into us and releases into us when we relate to Jesus as our Lord and Savior we receive grace and all of this gets poured into our hearts this is not an idea only this is not a theory this is not a doctrine this is reality this is an experience we get to Receive all of this in our hearts by the third part of Trinity prayer, which is through the Holy Spirit. And from him we receive what? The Holy Spirit is the who? The what is? I knew y'all knew it. Romans 5, 5, get this. And this Hope we will, this hope will not lead to disappointment. That's a lot of disappointing things in life, but this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. Other translations say to pour out in our hearts his love from the spirit of god we have fellowship who the holy spirit remember who he is he is god the spirit fully god just like the father is god and jesus is god the word the holy spirit is god the spirit he's the eternal spirit of god also called the spirit of the lord the spirit of the sovereign lord the spirit of the living god the spirit of resurrection the spirit of adoption the list goes on and on and on we see him described as the anointing on jesus which is wisdom understanding counsel might knowledge 
The fear of the Lord, he's called the spirit of the Lord. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is. Come on, he's our freedom. The Holy Spirit is all that and more. And from him, we get fellowship. All those things I just listed and more, we get to experience as we fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He's the anointing of the Holy One we read about in 1 John 2. A better word for fellowship, and in fact, if you read the old King James, it doesn't say fellowship. It says, anybody know? Communion. Communion with the Holy Spirit. Communion is this, and this is what is available to you and to me through the Holy Spirit. Communion is intimate, heart-bearing, and heart-sharing. Communion is intimate, heart-bearing, right, and heart-sharing. It's a relationship of total trust. It's open communication and conversation. No secrets. Come on, we can't commune if we're trying to hide secrets, right? But how many of us know we can't hide secrets from him anyway? Spirit of God searches all things. He knows what we don't even know about ourselves. So we can trust him enough to have a heart-bearing, heart-sharing relationship with him where we, we're just totally open and vulnerable and we have an open and honest conversation, communication with him. That is the type of relationship God wants us to have with him and we have it by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we might not realize how very close God is. I mean, the Father's as close as the air we breathe, so hello. Jesus, the Word of God, created and upholds all things, so hello. That includes you and me. The Holy Spirit literally comes, the Bible says, to live on the inside of us, of, of us who are in Christ. When you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, it's because the Holy Spirit told you to, first of all. And second of all, when we do receive Jesus Christ as Lord, the Spirit of God comes to dwell on the inside of us. That's why we don't have a kind of close relationship with him. If he's inside my spirit, communion happens. He knows what's in my heart, and I can be open and total, totally trust him. Communion with the Holy Spirit. There's another word that's so important involving communion, how the how the word talks about the Holy Spirit in our life, and that's the word anointing. Everybody say anointing. Anointing in Hebrew is the best. They have a hard time describing it, but the best description in Hebrew is this term shemen yah, which literally means the seed, the life force of God, and then the New Testament describes him as a seal on our heart. The Holy Spirit or the anointing is literally the life force of God on the inside of the believer. When Jesus said, I didn't come, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life, abundant life. This abundant life that he also described as a river of living water, right, is the anointing. It is the life force of God on the inside of everyone who has the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2.27, it says this, but the what? The what? 
anointing which you have received from him abides in you. It what? Oh, it means it stays. The anointing is not something you just feel in an extra good service, right? The anointing abides in us. And you don't need that anyone teach you. That's not saying that there's not teachers. We also see that there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Don't, don't misunderstand that. What it is saying is the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true. Because he abides in us. We have a teacher with us all the time. I just don't know about that. The teacher abides in you. And is not a lie. By the way. Because there's a lot of lies. But the anointing that abides in you is not a lie. And just that it has taught you, you will abide in him, the Father and the Son. Wow. The Holy Spirit, this is so important. As we commune with the Holy Spirit, he reveals the Father and the Son to us. Communion with the Holy Spirit on the inside, that's how we know Jesus. That's how we know the Father's love. Because it's poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Jesus' anointing now anoints us. Come on. The same anointing, the Spirit that was on Jesus is now upon us. That's why Jesus said we would go and do greater things. That we would do his works. Why? Not because we're anything, but because his spirit is now on us and abides in us, right? The same anointing. And because of that, we have fellowship with all that the Holy Spirit is. And all the Father is. And all that Jesus is. And the more we commune with the Holy Spirit, the more filled with the Holy Spirit we'll live. Does anybody want to live filled not just experience the Holy Spirit every once in a while. You get your little chill bumps on and all that, right? Come on, I want to live filled and overflowing with the Spirit of God. I want the anointing to be an increasing, an ever-increasing reality in my life. And guess what? The anointing sometimes comes through the laying on of hands. Yes, but it mainly comes by you understanding that it abides in you. The anointing mainly grows, you could say, in our life, the manifestation, as we learn to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the anointing. The anointing is the Holy Spirit. And as a perk, it teaches us everything. The more we commune with him, the more filled we will live. Now, I want to encourage you. I told you it was... I told you this was the simplest prayer track. This week, interact with the Trinity. Interact with the Father and His love for you. Receive it. Interact with the Lord Jesus Christ and His grace to empower you and to favor you. Interact with the Holy Spirit and His anointing. Practice it this week. Practice it this week. Okay? You say, Pastor, I'm one of those that only has about 10 minutes to pray every day. There's your prayer track. <laughs> now, we're going to 
like I told you, we're going to do service slightly different today because at the end of, of service today, I want to talk to you a little bit about fasting because we're coming in next week to that time of fasting. Is that okay? So is it okay if I have a few more minutes here in just a minute to talk about fasting? It ain't late anyway. Okay. First, before that, I just want for one moment to make sure that you understand that you are invited into a relationship with God as your Father, Jesus as your Savior, and Holy Spirit as your teacher and helper and friend. That is the gospel. That is the good news. God loves you, and because he loves you, he came for you. Jesus went and died on a cross to carry your sins, to forgive you, to give you a new life, to give you eternal life, and he sent the Holy Spirit to come live on the inside of you if you'll make him your Lord. And, you know, let, let's just take a moment and bow our heads and close our eyes because I want to make sure that everyone understands that this is an invitation for you. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are, are tired and weighed down with heavy burdens. Sin is a very heavy burden to carry. And Jesus wants to lift that burden from you today. He wants to give you a new life. He wants to give you an abundant life. He wants to give you a relationship, a real relationship with God. But you must make him the Lord of your life. Is that anybody in the house? I'm not going to take long with this. I just want to make sure. If that's you, if today you need to make a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if that's you, would you just wave at me real quick? You could just pop your hand up and down. Rather, you've never made that decision before. Praise the Lord for you. Maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you say, I, I, one day I decided that, but I'm far from God. If today you are lost or you feel lost or you feel far away from God and you need to come to him, is that anybody today? You say, I want to make that decision. I want to give my life to Jesus. Just everyone right there as you're seated. This isn't magic. I can't pray words for you to repeat and it saves you. You have to call on him from your heart. So do that right there where you are right now. Just confess him, Jesus. Jesus, I repent of my sins. Jesus, I turn away from sin in this world. I surrender my heart. I surrender my life to you today. Jesus, I believe. I believe you laid your life down for me on the cross. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a new life. Jesus, today I put all my faith and all my trust in you. Jesus, today I surrender my heart. I want to follow you. Come on, this is a very important part. Call out to him. Give me your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can know you and follow you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, if you made that decision today, just very quickly, I want to ask if we could put the text Jesus slide there on the screen. If you made a decision today to follow Jesus, um, it's probably there at the end. If you made a decision and you, you really want to know more about following Jesus, what it means to be saved, or maybe you're sitting here going, I don't know if I want to be saved yet, but I'd like to find out. Text Jesus. <laughs> Text Jesus to that number. It's the same number on the magnet. We're going to send you a video that explains uh, more in detail what it means to receive Christ, what it means to follow him, and uh, what it means to be saved, and the next steps you ought to take if you are. All right. Well, can I have, say, 
maybe 10, maybe not even that much, extra minutes to talk to you a little bit about fasting? Yes? All right, poke your neighbor and say, bonus time. Fasting. If anything will give you a bonus, it's fasting. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17. By the way, you should have all, uh, on the way in today, have received one of these really cool-looking prayer cards that talk about our seven days of fasting and prayer and our seven nights of prayer. If you didn't get one, even as I'm teaching this, if you didn't get one and you need one, would you just raise your hand real quick, wave your hand. Uh, Somebody might bring you one. I stole Liz's, so Liz needs one. Caleb needs one. Joe needs one. Trinity needs one. Jay needs one. Jack needs one. Anybody else need one? All right. So let me talk about this real quick. This is just some pointers and sort of a prayer guide for the seven days of fasting and prayer coming up starting next Sunday. You say, what if I want to start this week? Have at it. Go for it, okay? But all together, we're going to be doing seven days. Matthew 9, 14 through 17, one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do? And the Pharisees do. And Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. What do wedding guests do? Party hard, right? We feast. Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them. And then I want us to read this next phrase all together. And then they will fast. Say what? Then they'll fast. Besides, Who patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins expand or would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. No, new wine is stored in new wineskins. Say new wineskins. So that both are preserved. Just very quickly, Jesus said, then they will fast. (laughs) Right? Tell your neighbor, then you will fast. Uh Uh-oh, somebody's like, me? (laughs) Yeah. All this to say, Jesus was saying, there is an appropriate time for fasting. You You can't fast all the time. Right? There is an appropriate time for fasting. We, 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 I said it like this last year. There's a time for feasting and there's a time for fasting. Who just ended a time of great feasting, right? Come on, somebody. Those 20 extra pounds that joined us into 2023 are due, due to that, <laughs> some of that, right? We just ended a time of feasting and now we could say, like Jesus said, it's not the groom, right? But 2022 has been taken away. <laughs> it's gone, y'all. And now is an appropriate time for us to transition with Fasting. Why? Because fasting is actually a transition. We talked about it at the beginning today about prayer, but about transitioning, right? How we exit one season affects how we enter a new season. Fasting is actually a transition. I want you to think about what you do all night. I don't know about you, but most of the time I fast all night. Do you? I mean, some of y'all might wake up and have a little snacky snack at 3.30 in the morning or something, but typically... I fast all night, and in the morning, that makes us ready for breakfast, right? For breakfast, breakfast. 
Fasting is a time of transition that prepares us for what's next. That prepares us for the new, right? Just like fasting like, is like a physical detox. Did you know if you don't eat for a day or two or three, your body literally will get rid of toxins? Okay? And then if you've ever done it, if you've ever done a fast, even if you've just fasted certain things like no sugar for a month, it literally gets rid of toxins in your body, and then later your body doesn't ask for those things anymore. Your body asks for new things. Now, what does that have to do with, <laughs> with prayer and fasting? Prayer and fasting is kind of like a spiritual detox. It helps us get rid of stuff, junk that we're carrying from the old season, and it makes us hungry for the new thing, for the right thing. Fasting is not... The point of fasting is not to suffer and starve. <laughs> the point of fasting is to pray. The point of fasting is to help loosen our, the grip of food on us just a little bit so we can get out of touch with junk and in touch with the Holy Ghost. Come on. We need to allow our bodies to go through a little bit of discipline so that our spirits can be in close touch with the Spirit. Are we okay? Fasting makes us keenly aware of God's will and His plans and His purposes. Fasting helps us make important decisions. Anybody got to make some important decisions this year? Fasting will help you. Fasting helps us empty ourselves of the old so we can make, noom, or make room for the new. A.K.A. A new wineskin for the new wine. A new recipient, a ready recipient for the new thing that God has for us. Fasting makes us hungry. <laughs> Especially the first day. Fasting makes us hungry. We become sensitive and aware of the spirit. If you've never done it, you're going to experience it. Go without food for a little while, and all of a sudden, did, was that you, Lord? <laughs> You'll start to hear him. Makes you aware, more aware of the Spirit. All of this is basically just to help us pray better. And, you know, we're going to continue learning about prayer. We got one more. We got number seven of the seven ways to prayer coming next Sunday. So make sure you're here for that. But the whole point of our fasting is so that we can pray. So we're taking together seven days as a family to fast and to pray. Let me give you just a few tips. These are on your prayer card there, but fasting tips. Number one, go without solid food for a determined amount of time. Skip a meal or successive meals. If you're not used to fasting, start with one meal. <laughs> if you're more experienced in fasting, do more. If you've never fasted before, try it. Try skipping breakfast or lunch or dinner. Try one meal, okay? If you're a little more experienced with fasting, maybe do two in a row or three in a row or a day or a whole day or a couple of days. But go a determined amount of time. Some of you might say, I'm going to skip one meal every day all seven days. Whatever you determine, do that, okay? Go without solid food. Number two, pray and read God's Word instead of eating. Don't just suffer, <laughs> Right? Feed your spirit since you're not feeding your body. Pray. 
Read the word. Pray in the Holy Spirit. And, in, and unite in corporate prayer as much as possible. We're going to be praying every evening. Come every night if you can. Come as many times as you can. Number three, drink plenty of water to stay hydrated. This is where a lot of people go wrong. Drink extra water even to stay hydrated so that will help you be less groggy and grouchy and hungry. If all of a sudden your stomach's going <laughs> down a liter of water, it'll help. Number four, oh, this is a big one. Avoid media, entertainment, and unnecessary conversation while fasting. Okay? Might be a good week to just shut off social media, except for church notifications. <laughs> or just remember and shut it off altogether, right? Might be a good week to, uh, you know, hold off on that series that you've been binging on. Definitely a good week to not gossip. Definitely a good week to not talk about dumb stuff. Right? Avoid unnecessary talking. Okay? Why? Because that helps us to listen. Number five, write down what you hear God speaking to you because you will hear him. And don't just write it down. Make some plans <laughs> to obey. Make some plans to obey. You know what? Not just us adults. Even the kids are going to participate. I'm going to ask the lovely Pastor Liz to come tell us what the kids are going to be doing and how we can help them out. I'm so excited because I really want to appeal to you to make effort to be seven days in prayer with us, with your kids. And I know as parents, you know, automatically you, you kind of, how do you say, turn off that option because it's like, it's crazy. I'm not bringing my kids seven days. But I want us um, to encourage you that this is not, this is just one week of the year that we can sacrifice as a family and change our routine because we, Jesus is greater than our routine for one week. You know, I'm not trying to convince everyone to get unhealthy and do weird things, but Jesus is worth the sacrifice. And something that I've learned through the years as my kids have grown up and we've been doing church is that parents, we model. If you complain, your kids are going to complain. If you uh, embrace how awesome uh, to do this together, you know, then they're going to think it's awesome. So we set the bar and we set the atmosphere in our uh, household. So if your kids are at the right age, you know, we have created and we're giving you this and we're giving it to your kids. It's a fasting schedule for kids. And the way I present it to my kids is like we're going to decrease so he can increase. And we're going to kill our flesh. And we're, we're gonna, I want you to practice how to kill your flesh. And I mean, I want them to practice a lot. <laughs> but anyways, just to, give you <laughs> just to give you an idea, you know, we have days and we start this following Sunday, right? And so they can pick one or two. And if they don't want to, I mean, you don't force them, you know, but you, you make it appealing for them. But for example, Sunday we have, they can choose from their favorite snack, video games, favorite food, favorite cereal, favorite TV show. But you can add whatever is appropriate for your family and and your kids. So make it 
fun as a family. We're going to take this week to seek God and to pray and to, to receive and to hear God's voice. So I want to encourage us, uh, just parents, just don't, don't check out just because it's hard. We need to teach our kids to do hard things. You know, to follow Jesus and to go against the world is hard. So I'm going to teach them that sometimes, listen to me, church, sometimes it's going to be a sacrifice. Sometimes you're going to have to kill your flesh. And, and, and I know, and we're talking about fasting, and, and you know, there's a lot of flesh in us that needs to be killed, period. So I just, you know, don't ever, you will never feel like fasting. You will never feel like going to pray every single night of the week, just in, in case you were wondering, like, I don't feel peace about it. Well, yeah, you won't feel peace about it. Oh, I don't feel it's something I can do. Yeah, you won't do it. You don't want to do it. You know, but I think about when there's Christmas, you know, I don't know, but when there's Christmas and when there's special holidays, I plan a whole week of activities with my kids, and I take them to Stone Mountain, and I take them to Sea Lights, and I take them to the parks, and all of that is a sacrifice that I'm willing to do for the holiday, for Christmas, and because we want to create memories, well, why don't you create the memory of praying and fasting together? Why don't you create the memory of taking up the cross and following Jesus? It's the only way to the Father. So, okay, so I just want to encourage us because I, I already hear, I already, I had already had some conversations that is like, um, the flesh. It's the flesh. So I really encourage us as much as you can. You know, I tell my kids, this, the week is coming. And this is the way we're going to do an extra week. It's going to be a different week. We're going to be in church every night. Hey, let me tell you something. I grew up going to church almost every night and going to revival meetings and revival prayers. And not, it did not affect me. I just let you know I'm a healthy person. I mean, not perfect. But that did not scar me because I got to see healings and I got to see God move. And that's what we're all about. So talk to your kids. Get them excited. If you are complaining, they are going to complain. So prepare the atmosphere of this week to see miracles and breakthroughs in your family. And I believe it's going to be powerful. Again, I want to tell you, we bring our kids in, our, in their pajamas. Bring them ready. We are not going to give them sugar, juice, or anything I promise we're going to give them a light dinner. We're going to pray that they go to sleep um, right after and that, you know, we're going to pray in the spirit, go to bed as soon as you get home. And, and uh, you'll be surprised the miracles you're going to see in your family. Last year's uh, week of prayer was one of the favorite things of the year. And listen to this, Saturday we're going to have a family prayer night. That means that prayer at that day is going to be with everyone. Young and old and babies and it's a wild thing. And we're going to party big time and we're going to model how to pray as a family and kids running. And, and last year, wasn't that powerful if you were? There was so much fun. We had so much fun. We, we make it super fun. We dance. That's, our kid, I mean, we, we put the extra lighting. We did this. Worship was super fun. We had like beach balls going over everywhere. And we're dancing. The kids are going to prepare a song to be part of worship that day. And it was so fun. And the Anna and Oliver told me, is this how heaven is going to be? And I'm like, a lot better than this. <laughs> so give up your families these experiences and kill your flesh. That's all I want to say.
Yeah, our, our kids said that's the, that's the favorite thing they've ever done at our church. We almost killed Jorge with a smoke machine, but we'll do better this year. I want to ask if the worship team would come on back. We're going to end today just exalting Jesus. How many of you want to, let's just, why don't we just all go ahead and stand to our feet. We'll give our worship team a minute to get here. But we're going to just end our time today uh, exalting the Lord Jesus Christ so why don't you just right there, um, if you would, just raise your hands and let's begin to interact with the Trinity today. Father, we thank you, our wonderful Father, our good Father, our Creator, our Provider, King of the universe. You're the King of my heart. You're my source. You're my provider. You're my all in all. Father, you love me. Today, I thank you for your faithful, enduring, steadfast, loving kindness that endures forever. Your mercy and loving kindness that's new in my life every morning. Thank you, Father, not only for loving me as a father, but for giving your life for me, Jesus. Thank you for that sacrificial love, Lord, today. Come on, why don't you just confess it? Today, I receive your love, God. Tell him today, even right now, I receive your love, God. I receive your love. And Jesus, Jesus, the ever-living word of God, who came to save me. Jesus, who died for me. Jesus, who rose for me. King Jesus, who is coming back for me. King of kings and Lord of lords, thank you for your undeserved kindness and favor Thank you for your power that saves me, that forgives me, that covers me, that enables me to live. Jesus, today, thank you for your grace. Come on, tell him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross and thank you for grace. I receive your grace, Jesus. And I thank you in that amazing grace that you have given me your very own spirit, Jesus. The Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.